This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret. I'm a clinical psychologist and I started this podcast almost seven years ago now. Gosh, that's a long time. In order to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be very interested in psychological and emotional issues, maybe you're in therapy but would be interested in what another therapist had to say, to those of you who are maybe looking for answers or confused about something in your life that has some emotional or mental health aspects to it, and also to a third group of you, those who might be a bit skeptical about this whole mental health thing, especially therapy, but you're interested enough or unfortunately unhappy enough to be looking for answers yourself. So welcome to all of you to Self Work. Today's an episode filled with your questions and my answers, just like I promised last week, and it's one of my favorite things to do here on Self Work. So today the topics are enmeshment, and I've actually got two different questions about it. The difference between playing a role in someone's life and having a relationship. So what's a role and what's a relationship? And how to deal with defensiveness when you're trying to have a conversation with a parent about the past. Great topics and questions, and I'm sure many of you can more than relate. We'll get started soon, but before we do, I'd love for you to consider what one of the wonderful sponsors we have here at SelfWork, Athletic Greens or AG1, could do for you. My husband and I down a glass every morning, and it's a really great way to start your day right off the bat doing something that's amazingly good for you. What better time than now to decide that you're going to do something for yourself in 2023 that will only add to your sense of well-being, where you can begin every single day with an act of true self-care, not a bubble bath, not even a therapy session, but by drinking one glass full of 75 high-quality minerals, vitamins, probiotics, adaptogens, and whole food source superfoods, which support everything from your gut to your immune system to your energy level. I use it every day and love this habit because if you're like me, self-care can get lost in a day full of kids, work, meals, and whatever else comes along. AG1 knows that people who listen to self-work are seeking to make their lives better. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Become your own green machine in the first hour you're up and around. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash self-work. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash self-work to take ownership of your health in 2023 and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So again today, I'm either going to be reading or you will hear questions from listeners. Here's the first one. I must say, I really appreciate the attention being paid to the problem of enmeshment. I feel like I'm on the verge of finding some long-sought answers. I won't tell my life story, but I definitely had an enmeshed relationship with my mother. I'll talk about that in a second, what that is. I struggled with it and against it, and to understand it in one way or another for as long as I can remember. I first heard the term symbiotic when seeking counseling at student psych services as a university student. 
And that was about the time a friend of my mom's and of mine clearly spoke to me about narcissistic parents. One thing I'd like to understand more about is how enmeshment relates to children's failure to thrive as adults. I'm clear that this is not universal, but it's certainly been my experience, and I'm just as clear that it's connected. I'm past middle age now and still struggle so much with the shame of lagging far behind in life skills and career establishment. I've tried two therapists at this point who were wonderful in their own ways, but really didn't seem to understand the urgency I had for dealing with this history. They both said to me that whatever enmeshment problems I may have had with my mom, that those were no longer an issue because I'm an adult or because it's in the past or whatever. I remain with a strong need to describe and discuss the relationship dynamics and to more clearly conceptualize those experiences. So that's her comment and question. I've been intrigued by the fact that a post I wrote on enmeshment that appears on my website is one of, if not the most read post ever. So there are people out there hungry for information about enmeshment. Enmeshment is when a child is pulled into a relationship with a parent in order to serve the needs of those parents. Not sexually, this isn't incest, but this is more, in fact, there's a book called Emotional Incest. It's about your parent telling you that you're the only one who understands them or they count on you, that kind of thing. And I will have a link to an episode that I did on enmeshment, in fact, probably a couple, that if you're a little confused about what it is, you can listen. But this listener brings up the idea of why it's common for those kids who are enmeshed with a parent or family struggle to take on adult responsibilities, established careers, etc. She uses the term failure to thrive, where at least most of the time this term is used for children who are significantly neglected or older adults who stop trying to live well or they lose interest in doing anything that will help them live longer or better. They simply quit. That again is failure to thrive, either with infants or geriatric failure to thrive. But I think I know how this listener is using the term. She means not becoming her own person, having trouble making decisions, or establishing yourself as an independent and a functioning adult. And then you can see that others are doing that, but you are not. And that comparison becomes something that you can feel shame over. If you've listened to self-work for long, you know how I feel about shame. It's not helpful if it's carried around, and in fact, can be hurtful. What can happen is that when your young life has been about shaping yourself and making decisions that will make a parent happy, that parent is also usually very possessive of you. After all, you're the person they need, right? So they can intentionally or unintentionally try to derail your efforts at independence. Here's an example. You begin talking about wanting to go to law school in another city, and your enmeshed parents may say something like, well, I've never seen you as a lawyer. Things that, without the enmeshment dynamic, may seem innocuous. But the way the enmeshed child hears that comment is, you know, I know you better than anyone, and I don't think you should do that. The parent can so fear you leaving them that they will passive-aggressively or not-so-passively put hurdles in your way, making suggestions that ruffle you just enough that you don't go against them. You absorb their doubt, which isn't really doubt. It's more fear. When you've not made decisions for yourself, when you've not had practice falling on your face and picking yourself back up, then you may not likely have had the confidence to go out and take risks. Then there's another factor. 
You've been controlled by the enmeshed dynamic. You're likely to believe that that is love being controlled, maybe even possessed. Oh, he cares so much about me that he wants to know everything I'm doing. You may seek others to control you and unconsciously create the familiar dynamic, which then sets you up to stay more immature as you once again live your life without developing your own individual compass. So I would agree with this listener that she needs to understand what went on between herself and her mother and how that's playing out in her life now. I think it's very important because it's how you can actually begin to hear the messages that you may still be playing in your head that are about the enmeshment. So good luck to you. But then another listener asks a really wonderful question about the problems you yourself may have when you try to set boundaries with the enmeshed family or parent. Hello, uh, I just read this article and I'm really excited to listen to the podcast. And I was wondering if I have an enmeshed parent, actually both of my parents, and I'm the oldest child as I'm like drawing boundaries like this. What is a way that I can kind of soothe myself? Because it's really hard to not reach out to one of them or when they call like multiple times a day to not answer it. Thank you. Great question. I was very enmeshed with my mom and had worked on setting the boundaries that this listener is struggling with. But I'm not sure that the listener has clued her parents in on what she's doing, that she feels the need to create more space between them. So they keep calling and calling and she feels terrible and is trying to break the habit herself of feeling that she really needs their input to be okay. Now, I will quickly say that having that conversation, Mom and Dad, I love you and I know you love me, but I'm trying to make some of my own decisions as I feel that I have to do that to grow up. So I'd like for us to not talk quite so often, something like that. It may be that that message is received with stony silence, with some kind of defensiveness or a statement about abandonment, or of course we want that for you. But then their behavior continues, so they don't listen. But having the discussion or writing them a letter or an email with that message, texting, probably not. It might help. I might make the suggestion that you try to convey to them what's going on. But again, this listener is really struggling with her own feelings of guilt or should she pick up their calls? Does she need them? So I'll pull on my personal memory again. I do remember distinctly, after I'd separated from my own mother a fair amount, she became highly depressed herself and very anxious after going off prescription drugs that she'd become addicted to. And so guess what? She never called. I mean, never. My healthier self said, well, that's good. Now I've gotten the independence I've always wanted. But what I hadn't quite realized was my own remaining dependence on feeling that important to her, that she had to talk to me every day. And there was a part of me that missed that. So changing this enmeshment is difficult because you're not quite sure of who you are without the enmeshed parent or family. And it's scary to find out. But it's also vital that you do. Remember, this dynamic is hard for others to see as destructive because on the outside, it can seem as if who wouldn't want their parents to be so into them? The point is not that they give you attention. 
The point is that they need yours. They need to feel as if they're living their lives through you. So how are you supposed to take that away without immense feelings of fear or shame? It's hard, but it can be done. And becoming your own person is your right. Here's another question that I thought was intriguing. Hi, I just uh, listened to your podcast about the difference between love and acceptance uh, and when you're not feeling accepted within your own family. And um, I would be interested in hearing a podcast that is more focused on the dynamic of when adult children are not being accepting and inclusive towards a parent or within that adult family dynamic, the a parent feeling isolated or unaccepted or not included in the broader family dynamic or relationship because maybe they've been pigeonholed into a specific identity or role and purpose and Beyond that, they're not included in the broader family dynamic for and accepted and included for who they are as an individual versus the role they play. This sounded a bit like a voicemail we featured a few weeks ago where an older woman felt like she was being pigeonholed by her family. We talked a little bit about ageism or things that might have changed in the family. But this question brought something different to mind, not just being pigeonholed, but as this listener painfully says, she feels more like she's appreciated for the role she plays for her adult kids, but they're not as available to have a deeper relationship with her. Maybe many of you feel this way, that you're playing a role for a friend, for a parent, for a partner, for your kids, but they're really not interested in more of an adult-to-adult relationship. Gosh, the possibilities of what might have caused this are endless. What have the boundaries been like in the past? What's the impact of your adult child's partner on the dynamic? If the listener and her now adult child have been very close, even enmeshed, has the partner asked for that to end? That might feel to this listener as if she can't have the access she used to have with her adult child, and that would hurt, of course. There could be jealousy, there could be all kinds of things going on. There's also the idea that this listener is being manipulated, that her adult child wants her to babysit or to serve as the family glue, but that's it, and that's going to feel bad as well. What I do know is that there are always two or more sides to an issue, so I'd recommend that this listener set up some kind of session or conversation with her child and their partner. Try to talk about how she feels and listen to how they feel and why they feel whatever way they do. I'm remembering a couple who both had their own biological children from previous marriages and have been seriously dating for quite some time. So they decided to move in together. Both had met the other's children, and those meetings had gone well for some, not so well for others. One adult child especially had said that she just couldn't accept the presence of the partner. She'd been offended by some of his behavior. He'd apologize for that, but there didn't seem to be much that could be done. When this couple came to see me, I worked with them on giving up or at least temporarily altering their expectation that all would be a big happy family. 
It was going to take much more time for that. The couple had actually separated due to their sadness and pain over this, but upon working on it more, realized that they were giving their adult children too much power, and they were truly very happy together, and so they moved back in together. And during our last conversation, it seems that giving time to each adult child uniquely was what was needed. The responses of the children would be as unique as they were as people. So I do wonder, maybe this listener needs to move on a bit and realize she doesn't have control over the depth of the relationship with her adult children or her adult child. She only has control of her end. And she may need to decide what role she's willing to play and look for deeper relationships elsewhere or give it time. Again, not knowing more of the details, it's hard to say, but she's not going to wish it were different and then it becomes different. Ideally, they could all have a conversation with a therapist, with a pastor or a friend that both trust and move forward, but that might not be possible. And the kind of connection she yearns for, she may have to discover elsewhere. So here's the last voicemail. It's simple and to the point. Dr. Rutherford, why is it that any time I bring up the past to discuss with my mom and the things that are hurtful, she becomes extremely agitated and angry? Thank you. This very simple question holds so much poignancy for me. What many people want in their relationship with their parent is closure. To be able to talk to a parent about what hurt you or what you never understood, and you yearn for them to be able to provide at least some answers. But when you're then blamed for being mean or all you get is, well, I did the best I could, or why do you keep bringing this up? I wish you'd just get on with it or much more cruel, hateful things, then you're left to realize that your parent isn't capable of not being controlled by their own emotions. They're going to angrily respond to you, and you're not supposed to ask any more questions. This listener asks how to cope with that defensiveness and refusal to discuss the negative impact that some of her mother's behavior or actions caused her daughter. First, you have to make sure you yourself are entering the conversation with as little emotionality as possible. Write down what you want to say. Talk out your feelings with a friend, but remember, it's likely that the conversation will not go well or will follow the track it's already been on, especially if you don't stay calm and cool. Second, you certainly can keep trying. You could open up a conversation with these words. Mom? When I brought up some things from the past, you've become angry. I don't want that for you or for me. Are you willing to try to have a different kind of conversation, one where neither one of us gets angry? And if we do, we'll stop the conversation and come back to it later. Basically, you'd be asking your mom for her participation in a conversation that she doesn't want to have. And if she agrees, you could at least try. Sometimes this works. And it sets up the conversation for success, but sometimes it doesn't. Third, you could ask your mom to go with you to a counselor that both of you would choose. And so you'd have a mediating presence in the room. The person must not be a friend of either one of you or someone with whom you've already had a relationship. The person needs to be a truly neutral party. Again, she may or may not accept, but it's an option. Fourth, You may have to accept that your mom isn't capable of having this conversation for whatever reason. So as I've said before, you can wish she were capable, but you can't get ice cream at a hardware store. 
So you may have to work out your feelings by yourself. And fifth, you don't mention a father here or other adults who are involved in your care. Aunts or uncles, grandparents, family friends, godparents, even siblings, especially older ones. Sometimes you can get another perspective on what happened or what is causing your mom's defensiveness from them. Maybe they have an even more sympathetic perspective on your mom and her need to self-protect or blame. It was helpful to me, for example, to talk with some of my mother's friends after her death who had known her long before I was her child. And although I never had the kind of conversation with my own mom that I wanted either, I gained some perspective on why she'd acted the way she did and made the choices that she did. It helped me to see her more objectively and so with more compassion. What is important here is for you to get closure And sometimes you have to do that for yourself. Grieve it and let it go. Such wonderful comments and questions. Good luck to all of you. I'm excited to tell you about what's happening at SelfWork. We have a new website design at drmarketrutherford.com. We're still working on it a little bit, but it is hopefully fresh and fun and easy to work around. We're real thrilled about it. We're also going to be doing some more YouTube expansion. We're on YouTube, but mostly with just little MP4s. We're actually going to begin to put full episodes on YouTube. But much will stay the same as well here at SelfWork. So you can count on interviews. You can count on solo episodes with just me and the occasional second time arounds when I'm needing to take a little bit of a break. I so appreciate all of you being here. I know that your time is valuable. A couple of weeks ago now, I did a TEDx talk on perfectly hidden depression, and it went over very, very well. If you're someone who needs to actually control your emotions rigidly and not let anybody see behind your facade of everything being just fine, this book may be for you, and you can get it wherever you buy books. You can get it in ebook form, audiobook, or paperback. And of course, you can always come again to drmargaretrutherford.com and you can subscribe. We've changed the subscription process. It's not going to be a drop down box anymore because those are irritating. (laughs) But as you're reading a post, it will be in the midst of that post. So you can subscribe there and you'll get a weekly newsletter, which is free, which is the easiest way to keep up with me and what I'm doing, what's going on, what kind of courses I'm teaching, that kind of thing. Would love to have you as a subscriber. And you'll get a free copy of, right now, The Seven Commandments of Good Therapy, but I'm writing a new one, and that will be part of your package as well. Again, part of that new website. Slowly getting it done. Thank you again for being here. It means so very much to me and my team. Please take care of yourself, your loved ones, and your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.